I tell you, it's so exciting to see the body ministering to each other. You know, God puts people in leadership, but really you've got to get to where every member of the body supplies. And that's one of the things that we seek to do in the Bible school is to teach everyone that all of us are ministers, whether you're a full-time minister or not. You know, you might be working a full-time job, but that's your ministry field. And we can all minister. And the power of God is on the inside of all of us. And I tell you, one of the things that's changed in our Bible school over the years is that when it started, it was all of the ministers that did it. And over the years, it's gotten to where there is a body of believers here, and they minister to each other. And it's, like the Scripture says, it's that which every joint supplies. And I'm just, I, it really thrills me to see uh, our students ministering to each other and all these things happening. Praise God. It's a blessed place to be. God is good. God loves us. Do you want to introduce Barry? Or? All right, I'm up here. I might as well introduce Barry. But this is Barry Bennett, and he... Wow. <laughs> and as you can tell, he is the least favorite of all of the instructors. Nobody likes him, but we're going to let him minister this morning anyway. Barry is the one that answers all of our correspondence, and he does probably 50 emails or letters a day. And he's just a blessing. He's run a Bible school in Carrollton, Texas. He's been a missionary in Chile. And I don't know what else he's done, but I can tell that the Lord is with him, and God blesses him and honors him. And uh, so anyway, we're going to be blessed this morning to hear Barry Bennett come minister. Good morning. Well, those, uh, I guess, are my groupies. Huh? <laughs> Actually, I think what they want is me to write easier tests. <laughs> but that's not going to happen. <laughs> anyway, thank you for that, that love. Uh, I, I appreciate it very much. So, okay. It is a blessing, a, a tremendous blessing to be here. It's a blessing to be, and as, as the students know, I talk about Bible school a lot. I love Bible school. Bible school changed my life. Uh, I think this is the environment for tremendous change and impact for the world. Things that take years to happen in a church can happen in a matter of weeks in a Bible school. I'm a firm believer in Bible schools. I, I love the environment. I love the people. I love the potential. I love the, the interchange of ideas. I, I love to be challenged by the questions. I, I, I love the whole thing. It's just it's a tremendous experience. And for those of you that might still be on the fence, uh, get off the fence. Yeah. Get off the fence. Praise the Lord. Well, I want to talk, I, I don't know, I wasn't here for the chapel, and when I came in, I realized that I had missed something really special, so I was uh, back in my office being nervous, so 
But uh, I want to I share, and hopefully the, the, what the Spirit has put in my heart will flow with, with uh, what's been happening uh, over the last day and a half. Turn with, turn with me, please, to uh, Romans 13. I have a title for this, and you won't understand why this is a title until toward the end of the message, but the title is, Your Life is Your Garden. Your Life is Your Garden. And we're going to understand that more as we get toward the end, but I want to share a few things up front to kind of get, get us warmed up here. Romans 13.11 says, And that knowing the time... That now it is high time to awake out of sleep. I'll just stop right there. When I read that, I thought, that sounds like my mother. (laughs) So it's high time that you clean your room. Well, this is a little more serious when Paul is speaking this way. He's saying it is high time that we awake out of sleep. There was, I don't know how many of you remember Keith Green, but there was an old Keith Green song many years ago with a line in it that said the world is sleeping in the dark that the church just can't fight because it's asleep in the light. That's a powerful line. Many of us find ourselves in a state of what I want to call spiritual laziness. Spiritual laziness in which we have entered into the things of God but we remain trapped in the routine of the world, or we, or we just never get our engines started. I get letters, and some of this message probably is born, as Andrew said, I, I spend a great deal of time uh, answering letters and questions and theological things and all of this. And I, So I get to hear, it's, it's amazing, I've done thousands of letters now, and, and I get to read these, and I get to hear what, how people think and what, they, what concerns them. It's a tremendous way to learn how to minister when you can listen to what people are needing in their lives. But some of the letters I get kind of put me off a little bit. I'll get letters like, what is the meaning of the word charis? And I'm thinking, aren't you sitting in front of a computer? (laughs) Connected to the internet? Can't you Google that? And I get other letters of that nature of things that asking me, and sometimes I think I'm doing somebody's homework. I wonder what kind of grades I'm getting. But there's a laziness that some people won't even take the initiative to Google some of their own questions. I have to do it for them. Because I don't know everything, so I I don't know who the lineage of this and that and the history of this and who's who and... I've got to learn it. So I I get in there and look it up and send them a letter, but I'm thinking, that's laziness. That's laziness. And I see a lot of that among Christians. And I know I'm I'm preaching to the choir here because obviously those of you that have come have shown a a step of activity. You're proactive. You're here. You're inquiring. You're looking. And yet even so, there can be laziness in our lives on different levels, spiritual laziness. And some, when they get into the grace message misinterpret that message and become lazy. And as I I like to say, they find themselves on the inner tube of grace floating down the river of life. And pretty soon there's a fork in the river and they don't have the paddle of faith. And they end up coming to the cliff. 
Grace should not make us passive. Let's go, let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15. First Corinthians fifteen sixteen. I'm sorry, first Corinthians fifteen ten. And Paul says, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. There's something to think about. God's grace has been bestowed on each one of us. Has it been in vain? Are you one of those who needs, it's high time to awake out of sleep? He says, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me, or which was in me. Grace, the more I understand of grace, the greater revelation I get of grace, the busier I get. The more productive I get. I can look back on my life and I can see years of fantastic and great activity and productivity, but they don't even begin to compare Well, some of the things that are now happening, the more I get a revelation of grace. Grace will propel you. Grace will empower you. Grace will motivate you to get into the things of God. People who take grace and end up in a a passive state, they haven't understood grace. If grace isn't making you motivated, then you haven't understood grace. And Paul says, I labored more than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God that is in me. And so there is a a motivation factor that should be, that's been poured out into each one of us if we've truly truly understood the grace of God. There's no room for spiritual laziness. And yet I see so many Christians who, you can look at them two weeks after they're, they're born again and there's kind of an excitement still there. Two months later, it's kind of dropping off. Five years down the road, there's no change. Ten years down the road, some of them aren't even in the Lord anymore. They're, they're walking in the world. What happened? What, why that spiritual laziness? And so I want to talk about that a little bit with you. Let's go to Proverbs. Proverbs 24. And we'll read from 30. Proverbs 24, 30 says, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles and covered the face thereof and the stone wall thereof was broken down. And I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. And I've considered this, and I've realized that there are different kinds of poverty. There are different levels of poverty, but they all have the same root. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, and poverty will come. But let's, let's think of it spirit, soul, and body. There is a spiritual poverty that can come with one who has been born again, a new creation, all of the the fullness of God within. No lack whatsoever, the abundance of Christ within, and yet there is a spiritual poverty because there's been a, a little sleep, a little folding of the hands. There's no growth, there's no change, there's no transformation, nothing new is happening, there are no, no new experiences, 
it's just this passive life. And spiritual poverty comes in, and pretty soon the heart begins to harden. There's mental poverty. Mental poverty is when you, when you stop challenging yourself. When you begin to, to quit learning anything, quit reading, quit, quit investigating. It can be things of, of the world or it can be things of the Lord, but there's no challenge going on in your mind. And one thing I've learned is that, and I got this from my parents, is that as the older you get, you need to continue to motivate, to stimulate, to challenge your brain to, to remain active mentally, learn new things. Don't become passive. Or mental poverty will come in. And you will find yourself not growing. You'll find, if you're not growing, you're going the other way. There is an emotional poverty. And Andrew would call this, you're not harnessing your emotions. Whereas you, you are not learning to let the fruit of the Spirit dominate your life. And so you just live by your emotions. You're up and down. You're in and out. You're all of these things taking place because there's an emotional poverty. You've been lazy. And then there's obviously physical poverty. Where you don't exercise. You don't take care of yourself. You don't eat well. All, all of these things. And so then on down the road, those things begin to have an effect. So all of these things we can, we can gather. We can understand where, as Paul says, now it is high time to awake out of sleep. In other words, God has invested something in us, something that's precious, something that's unique. In each one of us, there is a unique gift, a unique calling, a, a unique purpose, a unique destiny that no one else can fulfill. Each one of us has a, a world, a sphere of influence that we alone can touch. There are people that we know that no one else will, be, will have the same contact with. There are, there are circumstances in our lives, there are things that are under our, I'll say, control or our influence. Maybe that's a better word. And yet the spiritual laziness, the mental laziness, the emotional laziness, even the physical laziness keeps us from being involved, keeps us from being that light, keeps us from expressing Jesus in these situations. And what I've discovered is that the more active I get, the more active I get. The more I'm involved I am, it seems like I have more time instead of less time to do more. It's not me, it's the grace of God that's in me. But once you take that step and you begin to say, hey, I've still got, and in my case, I'm still believing God, I'm not even halfway through my life yet. And so I, I see myself as getting even more productive and more productive and more productive because I'm beginning to realize that the grace of God is allowing me to administer, to, to manage, to, to work in many areas at the same time. And to be a blessing and to, and to give the life of Jesus and, and to do all of these kinds of ministry things because I've decided to get up out of bed. I've decided it's high time to awake. And the, these are things that I think, we, when you're considering Bible school, and you're considering your life, and you look back and that you see that your life right now is the sum total of all of, the, of your decisions in the past, and who you are and where you are and what you are at this very moment is the harvest of previous decisions. So now you have to ask yourself, is this the way you want to finish out your life, or is there more? Is there more? Is there a, a greater potential 
that God can realize through you than you've even given him credit for? Or are you limiting him because you're just lazy? Let's go to Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6, we'll look at uh, verse 6 through 11. It says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provides her meat in the summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you sleep, O sluggard? When will you arise out of your sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Very similar, but it brings in the example of the ant. There's a lot of things we can learn from ants. Ants are busy little people, busy little, busy little creatures. They know how to work, they know how to prepare. But you know, ants aren't the smartest creatures on the earth. One day, we were, we were missionaries in Guatemala for a while, for about a year. And one day, uh, we always had to, we lived in a very rural situation, and we had to walk a mile into town every day to buy our daily supplies. There was no refrigeration and all of these things. And so we would walk into town and then walk back, my family of five, and carrying all of our stuff. And so I love popcorn. I don't know how many love popcorn. But uh, I, I, no matter where I live, I find a way to, to make popcorn. And so this day we got back from town, we opened the door, we walked into our, our home, our adobe home. And uh, I looked in the front room over to the left, and I saw a piece of popcorn on the floor. And I thought, man, one got away. And, and I, looked, I looked at it, and I noticed the popcorn was doing circles. Now, I've never seen magic popcorn before. So I thought, i got to take a look at this. So I went down and I looked at this piece of popcorn and it was just doing circles. And under the popcorn, there were five ants. And then the funny thing was, each ant was following the ant in front of it. (laughs) And so they were just going around and around and around. But the really funny thing was that there was an ant on top. I assume he was the leader. <laughs> says, Come on, guys, we've got to get there before dark. <laughs> but that thing was just spinning and spinning, and no telling how long it had been spinning when, while we were out on our, our shopping trip. We got home, that thing is just spinning. So I considered the ants. I got a lesson from the ants, and then I dispatched them to their great ant hill in the sky. <laughs> But, but what I realized is as smart as the ants are and as industrious as they are, the life of an ant is basically following the ant in front of you. That's what they know to do. That's all they do. And I realized that a lot of Christians have that same mentality. You're just following what someone else has told you. This is the way it's done. This is how you have to do it. This is the routine. This is the, the American dream. This is the way you have to live. This is the way you have to have a bank account, a retirement account, a 401k, an IRA, all of these things. You've got to have this. You've got to have that. And a lot of us are just following the ant in front of us. Sometimes it's time to make a change. 
I got born again when I was 20 years old. And I was following the ants in front of me. I was in college, I was doing the, the thing. And when I was 21, I let go of my piece of the popcorn and I took off. Now the ants in my family weren't real happy. And there have been times when it looked bleak, I have to admit. But, like Andrew was sharing last night, it's been one adventure after another. Because sometimes, if you, if you understand the call of God on your life, the potential that's within, I mean, no, no one could be, and we say in Spanish, común y corriente, no one could be more common than I am. I mean, I am just a guy. And yet I have a big God. And I've seen something in him that he sees in me, that there is a potential there that I wasn't willing to waste. And so I let go of my hunk of the popcorn, and I took off and decided to follow God. Some of you are in that place right now. You've just been doing circles. Or you're just in bed, and it's time to get up. It's time to let go. It's time to take off. It's time to make a decision. It's time for your life to take on the meaning that God has purposed for it from the beginning. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing? And I'm not trying to encourage anyone in the flesh to make a decision in the flesh. But if God is speaking to your heart, then you need to get a hold of that. You need to pray that through. You need to see that in the spirit. You need to realize that if God is speaking to your heart, that letting go of the popcorn and taking off across the floor somewhere else, might be the very, it will be the very best thing you could ever do. It will be an unknown. It will be an adventure. There will be things that might make you uncomfortable. And I can tell you all the places we've lived and things we've done. I'm surprised I'm still married. But every step of the way, it has, it has been the, the grace of God. And we can look back and we see fruit in every place that we've been. We see fruit in Mexico. We see fruit in Guatemala. We see lots of fruit in Chile. We, it, everywhere we go, there's fruit, lots of fruit in Dallas and all of these places. But each, of, each one of those decisions was based on stepping out into the unknown, getting up out of that spiritual laziness, not being willing to let my life become a, a circle, following the ants in front of me, and get going. And some of you are in that place this weekend. That's why God has brought you here. You're in that place. It's time to make a decision. All right, now I want to go to Genesis, and I want to get back to the title of the message. Let's go to Genesis 1. When I teach in first year, I teach the, the book of Galatians. And one of the things I'm, I harp on and, and I'm very aggressive about is coming against religion and religiosity and legalism, and I explain where legalism comes from, and all of these things are extremely important because so many of us have come from backgrounds of bondage and of, of religiosity and legalism and do's and don'ts and all these things, and so the best way to look at what God wants for your life is to go back to the beginning, go back to Genesis. And when I go back to Genesis, I three, see three main things, three areas that God has revealed in this book that he wants for us and from us. The first thing I see is abundance. 
When God created the earth and created the Garden of Eden and placed man in it, there was abundance, there was no lack. Everything man needed was available in the garden. Everything for life and godliness, we can put it that way. There was abundance, there was no lack. God has abundance for us. He came that we might have life and might have it more abundantly. So we, I want, as I go through this, I want you to compare what we look at in the Garden of Eden to our own personal spiritual lives. Your life is your garden. So we have abundance. The next thing we have is, and my mind just went blank. We have abundance. We have authority. Authority over or dominion over all of the works. He put all things under, his, under man's feet, Psalm 8. Put everything under our feet. And then the next thing that we have is responsibility. If you can understand, let me, let me get to my notes here. I want to make sure I don't miss this. No, and I, I did miss it. I'm sorry. We, have, uh, we do have authority. I'm going to take, talk about that in a minute. We have abundance. We have communion. That was the second one. Communion, meaning intimate relationship with God. What did, what did God have with Adam from the very beginning? What was his desire to have with Adam? Relationship. Communion. Walking with him in the cool of the garden. When we talk about religion, I like to go back to that. What kind of religion did Adam and Eve have? That should be your religion too. Communion. Walking with God free from all of the religious trappings and bondage. So they had abundance. They had communion, and then they had responsibility. God had a purpose for them. He gave them some instructions. All of this within the context of a perfect world. All of this within the context of a world without sin. All of this in the beginning, his original purpose is that they have abundance, that they have communion, that they have responsibility in a perfect world. And so I'm thinking about our, our situation in Christ, where we have been born again. We are a new, what? Creation. creation. What was Eden? A creation. We are a new creation. We have been blessed, Ephesians 1, 3, with all blessings. We have abundance. Everything we need for life and godliness exists. Everything we need, and I like to list these things, but think of all the things that you have. And, and I, I say this because I hear and I get letters and I talk with people who are depressed, who are lazy, who want you to hold their hand, who want you to tell you, I've done this, I've done that, now what do I do? And I'm thinking, man, get a hold of God. Get a hold of God. But what do we have? Look at, look at what he's given. He's given us his name. He's given us his blood. He's given us his spirit. He's given us a new covenant. He's given us his promises. He's given us the keys of the kingdom. He's given us his faith. He's given us his authority. He's given us his purpose to go into all the world. And we could go on and on and list all of these things. We are equipped, abundantly equipped. We can't even carry all of it. All that we have available, all the potential that, that exists in Christ, and yet some people are content to follow the ant in front of them or just stay in bed, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, and your poverty will come. In spite of all that God has placed in you, in spite of all the potential that exists for you and around you and in you and upon you, the anointing, the baptism of the Spirit, I didn't even list the gifts of the Spirit, all of these things, 
that we have. How can you be depressed? How can you be lazy? How can you not be excited about that? That God has chosen to take your vessel of clay. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, but he's placed his treasure in that, in that form, that shape that you have, in that ex- life experience that you have. All of the things that make up you, your personality, all of those things, there is a unique, individual, non-transferable potential in you that only you can fulfill. And that is your garden. Your life is your, your garden. You are a new creation. And in that new creation, you have the abundance, you have the communion, intimate communion. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all three live within us, according to the Gospel of John. 1 uh, Corinthians six seventeen. we are one spirit with him. We have a communion more intimate than Adam had. We can walk with him and talk with him throughout the day. And he's given us all this abundance. And then he gives us responsibility. Even before sin. So now let's go to Genesis 1, 26 through 28. And God said, let us make man in our image. After our likeness and let them have dominion. Now this is before sin. First word, I'm going to look at four words. Dominion. Dominion means to subjugate, to tread down. Let man have dominion. We're talking about now the the area of responsibility. Even before sin, man was going to be busy. He says, I want you to tread down, I want you to subdue, to subjugate. We get to verse 28, and God blessed them, and God said, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. The word subdue means conquer. Now I know when we think of the Garden of Eden, we're thinking, there's nothing to conquer. And yet these are the words God used. There was something expected of man that required his attention, his administration, his active participation. He wasn't just going to sit there and eat grapes. There was a responsibility. If so for Adam, how much more so for us, who are lights in a fallen world? And Paul says, it wasn't I, but the grace of God within me. There is a work to do. Let's go to chapter 2, verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it. Third word. To dress it means to... Now, you're not going to like this word. It means to work. I'm going to date myself. How many of you remember Dobie Gillis' show? And Maynard G. Krebs. Work? Uh, that's way back there. But there are Christians with that same attitude. Work? Brother, we're in grace. Talk to me about work. I don't, have to, I don't have to give anymore. I don't even have to pray anymore. God loves me no matter what I do. Well, he loves you, but you aren't doing a whole lot for him. The grace of God in you should motivate you like nothing has ever motivated you. 
The grace of God should empower you to do things. Be, you should see yourself as Superman if we're going to go, go that direction. There is such a potential, such a power, such a, such a uniqueness in each one of you. And I'm trying to stir you up, man. If you're still in that following the ant in front of you routine, God's got a whole lot more. But it involves work. To dress it, and the fourth word is to keep it. The word keep is protect. Protect. Your life is your garden. And it's up to you to have dominion, to conquer, to work. And what's the fourth one? To protect. Each of the, every area of our life, let's go back to the beginning, spirit, soul, and body. You have to, to have dominion over your spirit. You have to decide the direction of your life. Your life will follow your focus. You have to feed yourself the word of God. You have to, to have a communion with God. You have to make these decisions. Your mind, you have to renew your mind. You are the one that is responsible. You have to protect yourself from the things that are in the world. You have to decide what comes in and what doesn't come in. All of these things working in the grace of God, protecting, subduing, dominating the temptations, all of these things that are in in the world, this is our garden. Your life is your garden. What does it look like? Has anybody wanted to come and eat from your garden? Or is it all broken down and grown over with thorns? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. Or it could be just following the ant in front of you. But there is a need for us to get motivated in God. Get, let God be God in you. Making decisions. I was telling Andrew, I'll just share this quickly. How, I was telling Andrew the other day at lunch how we got here. I mean, I could, I could go back and tell you how we got to many places, all of the miracles. But how we got here was, and, I, and I'm already a, a, I've been a minister for many, many years, but that doesn't mean you stop taking steps of faith. It, it, you never get on Easy Street. I haven't found Easy Street. I don't know where that is. But we had a successful ministry in Dallas. There was, it was a Spanish Bible school that was a night school, and I was, had a secular job and had the night school and Saturday afternoon school and all of this stuff. I was, grace of God makes you busy. I was busy. And yet we sensed that the cloud was lifting, if any of you understand what that means. We sensed there was a change on the horizon. And my oldest son came up here to Campus Days in 2007, and, uh, and we had known of Andrew for several years. I was watching him on the Internet and listening to him on the radio. Every day I'd go to Taco Bell for lunch, and as I would drive from my work to Taco Bell, I would have Andrew on the radio, and, and that was my routine. And I got so well-known at Taco Bell, they started giving me free Cokes. So. <laughs> but we knew that there was a change coming, so when my son David came up here to, uh, to go to campus days, a few weeks later we decided, let's just fly up there and see the ministry. So my wife and I flew up here for a little mini-vacation, and came to the ministry, and, and Andrew's assistant, Donna, gave us a tour. And while we're taking a tour, the Lord just spoke to me, you're supposed to be here. And I thought, okay. 
I'm, I'm always willing for something new, and you know, I'm up for it. But it was the Lord. It wasn't just, I wish I could be here. It was, no, you're supposed to be here. So we went back to Dallas. We took some applications with us. Went back to Dallas. I said, Betty Kay, fill, fill out your application. I already had mine filled out. She says, no, I'm a school teacher. I te- I'm a, she was a second grade teacher in a Christian school. She says, I, they don't need me. I said, just fill it out. So we went back and forth for a couple of days on that. And she finally filled it out, and we mailed them in. About a week later, they called her. (laughs) And called me. And they said, we have a possible opening and data entry for a position, but you'll have to come up and have an interview, pass the interview, pass a 10-key test, and all of that. And I said, that's the cloud the size of a man's hand. That's all I need. We closed up shop, packed up, we rented an apartment over the phone. And we, we got a rider truck, or Penske, drove up here, installed ourselves. She went in for the interview, she passed it, she got the job, and there I am. <laughs> and about a week or, two, week or two later, I got a phone call from Paul Stewart in the phone center. Would you like to pray for, over the phone for people? You betcha. And just piece by piece, but we had to take a step of faith. We had, we had, when you know God has called you, then nothing can stop you. It's not like, should I do this, shouldn't I do this? There's no, there's no doubt. When God puts it in your heart, then the things begin to, to, to come into, into place. And you begin to see yourself projected into the future. And I walked by this and on that first tour, and I saw this auditorium, and I could see myself. Praise God. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. But you have to be the one to say, okay, I'm breaking away from the popcorn. Okay, I'm getting out of bed. Okay, I see myself as something special. That God loves me. God has a potential for my life that no one has seen before, but I see it. And I can go to Bible school. Bible school changed my life. Changed my life. And I'm embarrassed to say I don't remember a whole lot of the teaching. But I do remember three things that changed my life. I learned how to pray. I learned how to praise. And I got a vision for the world. Those things I remember. That changed my life. If you want your life changed, take that step. First hear from God. If you hear from God, then man... It, it will work. It will work. I want to go look at a few more scriptures with you. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 10.5. Your life is your garden. You are responsible for the fruitfulness. You're responsible for the sphere of influence. You're responsible for everything that takes place. You're responsible for your thought life. You're responsible for your words. You're responsible for your actions, for your decisions. You are responsible for where you are right now. All of these things represent your garden, the new creation that's in you, that you are supposed to be subduing, conquering, dominating, guarding, working, protecting, 
You are a creation of God. God has put you in charge of that new creation. You are to administer it. You are to make it be fruitful. You are to sow the word of God into it. You are to work it. And you are to be what God wants you to be. That is your responsibility. I'm not trying to put a a condemning word or anything of that nature on anyone. I am trying to get you to see something perhaps you haven't seen before. Of how unique, how special you are. 2 Corinthians 10.5. Is that what I said? It says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought. Think of this now in what we've looked at, the Garden of Eden. What was Adam going to do? What was his responsibility? He had to have dominion. We have to have dominion. So many times we're so excited to talk about dominion over sickness and disease and all these things, and we don't even have control of our own thoughts yet. So we need to get, get, go back to the beginning and start demonstrating our dominion in this realm of our own garden, our own lives. Let's go to 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 9.27. First Corinthians 9.27. Paul, speaking of his own body, his own flesh, says, I keep my body under. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. That was his garden. Adam was told to subdue. Paul says, I am subduing, actively subduing. I keep under my body, bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. He didn't want to be one of those who a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, and your poverty shall come. How many of you, don't don't raise your hand, but how many of you can recognize there's some poverty in your life? There may be some mental poverty, there may be some spiritual poverty, there may be some emotional poverty, there may be some physical poverty, but there's poverty. If so, then Proverbs 26 and Proverbs 6 apply to you. A little sleep, a little slumber. It's time to get up. It's high time to get up. High time to awake yourself. Second Corinthians nine eight. Second Corinthians nine eight says, "And God is able to make all grace." I love this verse. All grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. And to every good work, the grace of God is so you can work. The grace of God, the potential, the abundance, all of these things is so that you can do something with your life. Get out of the rut, get out of the routine, get out of the, the, the day-to-day, the ordinary, the everyday thing. And, and take a step, go for it. Fourth one. This is your garden, James 4.7. What was he told to do? To keep it, to protect it. What does James 4, 7 say? Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That is your responsibility. That is your garden that you have to protect. That precious new creation within that God has given you that has so much potential, you must protect it. You must dress it. You must keep it. You must have dominion. You must subdue. You must conquer You have to be active if God is going to do through you by grace what he wants to do. It's all there. It's all available. It's all 
the potential that is unique to your particular calling, gifting, purpose. All of these things are there. Are you going to, to take it seriously? Are you going to get out of bed? Are you going to break free from the routine? This might be the decision you need to make. This might be the place you need to come. This might be the two or three years you need to dedicate to being transformed, to coming here and to soaking yourself in the word, getting experiences, going on a mission trip. My first mission trip, I say everything changed my life. That changed my life too. Six weeks in Mexico traveling across the country with a team from Christ for the Nations transformed me. All of these experiences that are, that are out there for you, you're not going to find them back home in bed. You're not going to find them just following the people in front of you day after day after day. They're somewhere else. They might be here for you. So think about it, meditate on it, pray over it, and if God is speaking to your heart, know that a lot of people have gone before you. There's a great cloud of witnesses. Each one with a testimony, more spectacular than the last. We heard a few yesterday at the luncheon. God is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all you ask or think, according to the power that works where? In you. Amen. Let's stand up. I'd like to pray for you. Hallelujah. Father, we love you so much. Lord, I have confidence. I believe that you are speaking. Your, your word is working in many hearts today. Lord, we want to look out into the future. We want to see the unseen. We want to be able to project what could it be like in three years, in five years, in ten years. What could it be like if we're to believe you and to take a step of faith? What will it be like if we don't? Lord, I pray that the word would work in every heart, that there would be a, an unction of the Holy Spirit, a drawing, a calling, a confirming word for each one, that they would be stirred, Father, to say, maybe I've wasted 40 years, maybe I've wasted 50 years, but I'm not going to waste the next 40 or the next 50 there is still a lot to live, a lot to do. There is still a life of faith, a life of adventure, a life of productivity. The grace of God is still in me to do something unique. And Lord, I pray that over each one now, that they would have a revelation of that grace that would empower them to do far beyond anything they've thought before. We thank you for that, Lord. As always, we give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you. Let me just add one thing to his testimony that, you know, when um, Barry came here, the scripture says, most men will proclaim their own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Most people would have come telling about, I've got all of this ministry experience, I've done this. He came here and he was willing to pray on the phones. Then he's answered mail. I think it was last year, uh, towards the end of the 2009 school year, we asked him to minister. I didn't do it, but somebody else invited him to speak one time in the school and it was the most uh, tapes, CDs that had ever been requested. People loved it. And so this year he's been teaching some classes. And, you know, and the, and the students have loved it. 
But you know, if Barry would have come in and kind of said, well, man, I'm a minister and you ought to be using me, we might have done it, but you know, I, I don't know. It's just not the right way to do it. The way he did it is a way of integrity. And I would suggest that for all of you. Let God toot your horn instead of you doing it. And you know what? Barry's uh, working into a very important part of the school, and he's a super blessing. Amen? So let's take a break, and we'll be back in 20 minutes, I think it is, five minutes after. <laughs> 